You're listening to the feed. This is the feed. This is the feed. The feed. You're listening to the feed. In Markham. In Richmond Hill. You're listening to the feed in Vaughan. In Stouffville. In Woodbridge. In Unionville. Hello and Happy New Year from all of us here at 105.9 The Region. I'm Ann Romer and this is The Feed, York Region's only news magazine show dedicated to the issues, events and stories that matter to all of us who live and work here. On the show, how to start the new year debt-free and some great tips on managing your finances. If you have plans to travel this year, stick around for details about changes to OHIP if you're heading out of province. Also, the 2020 fitness trends, and we kick off Alzheimer's Awareness Month. But we begin with the weather headlines of 2019, Afwaba with Environment Canada's Top 10. In some way, no matter where you were, we were affected by extreme weather or climate events throughout this year. So to talk about the top 10 weather stories of the year and what it could mean, if anything at all, heading into next year and possibly a look ahead into the decade, none other than Senior Climatologist with Environment Canada, Dave Phillips. Dave, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me aboard again. We we talk about this every year, and I, I do enjoy our conversations. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much. Okay, so let's get right into it. Uh, weather has uh, increasingly become a weather story, not necessarily a weather story on its own, but a story in and of itself that uh, clearly we can see that climate change is definitely affecting the world in some way or another. And as I mentioned earlier, Canadians have been affected in so many different ways just by the, the drastic shift in climate change. Well, I think you're absolutely right about that. I always am kind of always a little concerned about trying to marry or uh, kind of connect weather with climate. But I think it's becoming increasingly more so. And and your readers in York Region realize that. I mean, they see events that have occurred that occurred years ago, but they seem to be more powerful, more out of season, more extreme, the longer lasting. All of these elements, uh, you know, it would be so much easier if we got really, really strange weather, like tornadoes in Aurora in January or sandstorms in Richmond Hill in, uh, you know, in October. I mean, that would really, you'd say, oh my gosh, the world has really changed. But we're really seeing the same weather. It's just that it's ramped up a little higher. It's more extreme. Floods are floodier. Droughts are droughtier. Uh, heat waves seem to be longer and more intense. Uh, we do get cold and we do get snow, but we also get wild winds. And so I think this year in many ways um, sort of kind of almost cemented that, almost reinforced this idea that, hey, it's the same old weather and we have lots of it here in Canada, but it just seems to have a different statistical behavior or character. And I think what that is, is just um, another sort of element of influence, uh, the human influence, the, the fact that we're warming the world, we're, we're causing a sort of runaway kind of warming. We see it more profoundly in other parts of the world than we do in York Region. Um, we see it up in the Arctic, for example, and one of the stories this year I talked about, you know, the, the heat melting more of the ice. I mean, how many different ways can you say the big heat melts the big ice? But what we saw up there was some, uh, not only just the fact that the ice is disappearing and the snow is vanishing but but also the we're seeing we saw wild weather we saw heat waves in alert which is the most northerly place in canada warmer than it was in victoria
Victoria, British Columbia. We saw a tornado in the Northwest Territories. We saw lightning and thunder within sight of the North Pole. We saw wildfires uh, in uh, north of the Arctic Circle. You could see the smoke from space. So, so I think that the world is clearly changing and the weather has changed. And uh, it's not always where you live. I mean, for example, this year in York Region, I would say that uh, surprisingly it may seem to you that we were a tad cooler than normal this year. I mean, uh, we sort of belied all of the, the, the sort of evidence around the world, but we were slightly, it was about a half a degree warmer than, or, or cooler than normal from a very long winter and a kind of a just uh, a so-so kind of summer and a pretty well uh, almost winter-like spring. And so we came out to be that way and with a bit wetter than normal. So I think people were thinking that, well, you know, maybe we didn't sort of, uh, weren't as, uh, as, as warm and hot and uh, as we were the previous years. But uh, certainly I think the, the wild weather is a way that we sort of almost uh, kind of DNA the fact that our weather is changing and uh, I think human beings have a part to play in that. If you can talk to us about the human element, about uh, how much we are really affecting the climate and where we are. Well, I think the evidence is clear over several decades um, and around the world. It's not just something happening in um, in our region. It's not just um, it's happening in our corner of the world. It's happening around the world. And we used to think that these things that occurred on the other side of the world um, and wouldn't affect us, but we're seeing our own. We're not sort of immune from these. We get tornadoes, and they're the second most tornado-prone country in the uh, in the world. And um, and we're getting we get floods and, and uh, heat waves and cold spells. It's just that we're able to maybe cushion the blow because of the health system that we have, that great emergency measures, the uh, predictive quali- uh, the, the quality of our weather service that can provide Canadians with uh, information well in advance when they need it. And also Canadians are very respectful of weather. I never dismiss that. I think the fact that we have a lot of weather in Canada, Canadians are experienced at it. So we know, we seem to know what to do when we get weather on our back doors. And, and so my, my sense is that we're able to, to handle it better than we see in other parts of the world. And that's why it doesn't have its necessarily impact that we see in other parts of the world. I mean, one of the, the, my favorite statistics of all is that more Canadians die falling out of bed than die from weather. It's not that we have a gentle climate in this country. We do have, um, weather attacks from every direction. It's just that we, we have a lot of it. We're experienced at it. We have uh, sort of in our infrastructure, in our sort of toolbox, we have the kind of conditions that can uh, can help us um, cushion the blow and let, make it less extreme or impactful than it was. I think uh, for, uh, the, the other thing that I think is important to understand is that what, besides the climate having changed, is that we have changed. You and I, society has changed. And so these events of the past, the our grandparents' weather, is, is, you know, it may have just been a little hit in the past, but it's becoming a major blow because of who we are, where we live, and what we own. I mean, we have a lot of possessions, more wealth that helps us overcome some of these extremes, but we tend to uh, live in the floodplain and the avalanche zone and by the sea. I mean, these are, these are risky areas when you live in these areas. And, and of course, we have more pavement. Uh, when we see what Toronto and York region, we have less green area less uh, green infrastructure we tend to think prosperity is is draining wetlands and then paving over well i mean that actually makes those rain events of the past much more 
impactful. You know, it rains on a on a grassy knoll. It takes eight hours for that rain to get down to the to the water table. If it rains on a parking lot at a shopping mall, well, it takes eight minutes to get into the sewer systems, and and the sewer systems are not equipped to handle it. So we're seeing a lot more urban flooding, a lot more heat waves in cities because of the urban buildup. But that's that's also because of people and cars and and just the fact that we're creating more of this artificial heat that helps to uh, to warm the uh, the world. So hey, I mean it's not just the sun, it's not just the oceans, it's not just the earth's tilt, it's human beings that are also creating these kinds of different weather conditions. As I say, not not new weather, just different statistical weather, more extreme, longer lasting, out of season, out of place. Hey, this is what makes the weather so interesting to follow and why it is uh, never boring and dull in this country because hey, we have lots of weather and it's always changing. Okay, so then looking at this list that was compiled, um, right. just taking a quick look at it, I mean, looking at number one, uh, if you could just maybe let us know uh, what came into the thought process of choosing these, uh, well, you don't have to mention all the ten, but looking at number five, for example, record heat continues in Arctic, that was number five, but number one was another record-setting Ottawa River flood. If you can talk to me as why that became the number one choice. Yeah, I know, Alfred, it's a good question you ask, because it is something, it's, it's, a, it's a subjective list. It's not a committee, that, it's just myself, I've been doing it for 20 four years, and so I look at several factors. I look at the economic impact that the event has. The the lakes, did it have a media lakes? Were people talking about it for just day after day and week after week? Uh, how meteorologically significant was it? Have we ever seen something like this before? And of course, the economic environmental loss, and the number one story was the terrible flooding in, uh, in Ottawa. Uh, this is, we have flood records in Ottawa that go back over 120 years, and this was the big one. No other flood in that period of, of a century and 20 years has been more than this. And think about it. I mean, two years ago, the same people flooded out in 2019 were flooded out in 2017. I mean, how how unfortunate and and devastating was that to these people? So it was a big, big damage, a lot of damage into the multis of millions of dollars. Um, and, uh, and, and the other thing that was interesting about that, and I always hope for this, is that we can learn from these events. I mean, we'll probably see flooding in the Ottawa River again, for sure. But if, do we learn from these events in the sense that people are talking about saying to, well, maybe people shouldn't be living in the floodplain. Maybe we should buy out property and, and leave it for recreation and so that people aren't sort of, um, uh, their basements aren't flooded, they're, they're lost, their possessions are not lost, and people are not going to be able to get insurance when they live live in, in risky areas like in the floodplain or near the coast. And so I think we uh, governments are beginning to pay attention. They get fed up of, of just bailing and bagging and paying people the same amounts of money every spring when it floods again and say, hey, there might be a better solution to this is maybe we buy their property out and move them inland where, they, where flooding can't get them. Um, is there anything maybe that you wanted to put on the list but just didn't quite make the cut? Well, I mean, there were several things. I mean, and actually, in many ways, this is like, like the worst dress list, not the best dress. You don't want to be on this list. Right. And I think in many ways, Toronto and York Region, well, they came close. Uh, they're mentioned, for example, in the um, the Halloween storm that, that really affected a lot, millions of children uh, from uh, in Quebec and, and, um, and, and um, in Ontario. We saw it was the wettest in York Region, the wettest Halloween ever, a lot of strong winds. 
ones. It really made the that kind of festive night uh, rather short for for young ones. And so it was. But when I talked about it in the top ten, it was more of a power outage in Quebec and the millions of dollars that it cost for property losses and things like this. But it certainly was uh, was an inconvenience. There was the other one of the other storms was the Big Dorian, the uh, the tornado, uh, the, uh, the hurricane that devastated, uh, of course, Bahamas. But it also had a lot of fuel for Nova Scotia. It was the most powerful storm for them. We actually saw a couple of remnants of tornadoes in in uh, Toronto and York Region area. There was Hurricane uh, Barry that came in on July the 17th. It it brought a lot of rain to uh, parts of Toronto and flooded the uh, subway system and uh, people had to be rescued. So again, it's back to that factor I talked about that we're seeing more of these urban floods, a heavy dose of rain. It used to just flood an intersection. Now it's flooding in a lot of infrastructure and it's a big ticket item into the military Millions of dollars. So, uh, so my my sense is the York region wasn't sort of highlighted in this top ten, but that's a good news kind of situation. Hey, your turn will come. I hope it's not next year. <laughs> I always would wish, uh, Afwa, that it would be a boring kind of weather year. Mm. That it kind of summers are hot and winters are cold. That we somehow don't get the extremes that we've seen over the last a couple of decades. However, I, I'm not sure that my forecast would be be too correct. We're warming up every year. Is Warmer than the previous year, and in many many occasions, and um, and my sense is that we'll continue to see weird, wild, and wacky weather, and uh, and uh, and we might see, unfortunately, York Region being on the list uh, when it comes to 2020. All right, we will take it then a day at a time as we look ahead into yeah. 2020, um, and of course, uh, you know what, it also comes into effect in in terms of the change that you and I can make, and if we can do that, maybe we can curtail some things. We can't contain Mother Nature, but hey, we don't have to piss Mother Nature off, if you will. Well, exactly. Well, I think it's a good a good uh, message to to give to people. I mean, you can't prevent that storm from coming your way. All the blowing you do doesn't stop it. But we can prepare ourselves. We can prepare our homes, our neighborhoods, our na- and our, our communities to be more resilient against tough weather, extreme weather. And if we do that, I think that uh, we can do the Canadian way, which is to uh, grin and bear it. We've seen it, but we somehow are survived, and we can. We can thrive under a situation like that. So my sense is that be respectful of the extreme weather and and do what you can around your own home and your own property to prevent it from becoming a, a statistic in a in a major extreme event. Couldn't have said it better myself, Dave. It's always such a pleasure. Thank you so much, and of course, Happy New Year. Well, Afwa, thank you so much. Happy New Year to you and all your great listeners in the region. As of January 1st this year, 2020, OHIP will no longer be covering any portion of -of out-of-country medical expenses. So what does this mean to travelers? What does this mean in particular to snowbirds? We're joined on the phone by Elliot Silverstein, Director, Government Relations, CAA Insurance, talking to us from Thornhill. Thank you so much. Uh, So let's talk about the road to this change. Uh, How did it happen? And in your position, government relations, were you asked to be a part of this by the government? 
So the changes really came about the middle of last year. We uh, we heard about it that they, there were some proposed changes to the Ministry of Health, and they did have consultation phases, and CAA was one of the organizations that certainly provided some comment where we wanted to encourage education as part of these changes. What are the changes that are significant to the traveler? So leading up to 2020, there was um, a, a portion of coverage uh, or reimbursement that would come with OHIP, up to $400 a day for the most extreme cases. That's now been eliminated, which means that even though you need to travel medical insurance before, it's even more important now today. And what does this mean then in terms of people covering themselves when they now choose to travel? So, you know, from our perspective, from CA's perspective, we want to encourage people at all times to stay protected. And that means having travel medical insurance, whether you're traveling for six hours or for six weeks, because really it's not the destination that you're going to. It's the fact that you're leaving the country altogether that you need to make sure you're protected at all times. And forgive me for asking this question, but was the OHIP coverage up until January 1st, 2020, was it free? So the OHIP coverage was, was part of what Ontarians, all Ontarians would have available to them. Um, what, what has changed is that because, um, you know, again, the reimbursement amount was nominal in comparison to what some of the costs would be incurred in some countries, um, that has been eliminated. So really, it was almost like a false uh, um, uh, piece of, uh, of assurance that you get fully reimbursed. It was a very small portion of reimbursement. So let's try to understand then how we best go about covering ourselves and, and the costs that are associated with getting proper medical insurance. So from our perspective, you know, what we encourage people to do is talk to a travel professional and ask the questions and understand um, not only what you may have from your employer or from other types of coverage in terms of -of out-of-country coverage, uh, understand what it means, what exemptions there may be, as well as any deductibles, because really this is an opportunity for us to all learn and understand what's in our policies and also purchase insurance or additional insurance based on your particular needs, but it really is tied and tailored to the individual themselves because of your own particular situations. And are people of any age allowed to travel without medical insurance? It is strongly recommended that everybody travel with insurance because you don't know when that incident may happen. And, you know, again, you may think you're crossing the border, let's say, for a day day shopping, but travel medical insurance should be just as, as as a priority as it is putting your passport in your bag. Are you getting a lot of calls from snowbirds saying, what the heck is going on? You know, I think that what we've seen is that there was ample time about the conversation that people had that opportunity to buy their travel insurance or know that these changes were happening uh, leading up to January 1st because one of the requirements of travel medical insurance is you need to buy it in your province of origin so that you cannot be mid-travel and then purchase insurance retroactively. So this, um, this was not a sudden decision, but certainly something that we are continuing ourselves to try and educate and ensure people are informed and know exactly what they're paying for so they know what the... Uh, what the costs are and what their coverage entails. There are some organizations that are mounting legal action against the government on this front. Uh, What are your thoughts on that? You know, I think that some um, organizations certainly have different um, um, stakeholders or or certain representation that are focused on on core 
elements. For us, um, CAA, you know, we're, we're known for member safety. We're known for that type of uh, uh, of history. And what we want to try and do through this change is really try to educate everybody, whether you are are, are young or or senior, um, that no matter where you're traveling or how you're traveling, if you're leaving Canada from Ontario, you need to make sure that you have coverage in effect and that you're safe because that's what we want to ensure that people can enjoy their travels uh, with peace of mind. And worst case scenario, uh, the medical bills could run into the thousands, even hundreds of thousands. Is that correct? They can be very, very expensive for a very, for a very uh, un- unexpected incident. And really what you want to look at it from the perspective of spending a few minutes and a few dollars could save you tens of thousands of dollars and extreme stress down the road. You mentioned that employers may have some coverage to offer their employee. Let's also talk about credit cards. Uh, some offer medical coverage. Is that enough? You know, it really depends on the particular provider because, again, as I mentioned, there are some exemptions depending on age or depending on situation. So this is really why it's, it's critical right now for everybody to look back on what their coverage includes but also what it doesn't have. So are there certain deductibles or are there certain limitations in terms of age or, or health situations because you don't want to have that false impression that you are covered and then you come, you come and encounter a situation and then find out you're, you're in trouble. What's your best advice uh, just before we say goodbye? At the end of the day, it's, you know, inquire, talk to travel professionals, shop around, but don't base your decision on price alone because a lot of people look at this from a price perspective. But what you want to ensure is that you have a package that's tailored for your particular needs that is, is best suited for you. And most importantly, when you answer the questionnaires, be honest. Don't hide information, whether it be medications or past medical histories, because that's the situation where you could end up getting excluded. Great information. Elliot Silverstein, Director, Government Relations, CAA Insurance. Thank you and happy trails. Thank you. This is The Feed on 105.9 The Region. I'm Ann Romer. If you have trouble sticking to a budget, perhaps Credit Canada can help. We're into the first few days of January. That means when mail is delivered, often a bill is with it. It is that time of the year when we have to pay up, face the music for all of the holiday spending. Joining us on the feed right now, Lori Campbell, CEO, Credit Canada. Thank you for being with us. Let's talk about the attitude that you suggest we should have when it comes to mounting debt. Well, the first thing, Anne, is to remember that you're not alone. There's a lot of people in the same situation. A lot of people are struggling at this time of year. And so don't panic and and feel like you're, you know, isolated in in a situation where you just don't have anyone to talk to about it. Really, um, you know, it's important that you realize that there are so many other people in the same boat and it is attainable to get out of that situation. Who do you talk to about this you know, it's, if you can talk to your family and friends, I think that's so important. You know, it's important that you feel open enough to be able to tell them about your financial situation so that they could be a, a, hopefully a, a voice of support. However, a lot of people are not comfortable in that environment. And so my suggestion is to go to a not-for-profit credit counseling service like Credit Canada to get the right advice, uh, to get some um, good tips on how to manage your debt, and to feel like you have someone to open up to. And be and feel comfortable being honest about everything. Exactly. You know, we're not here to judge you. We're not here to say that you've done anything wrong. We've seen pretty much everything, and we know how easy it is to get out of, into debt. 
And, but we also know there are great tools to get out of debt that people can access and, you know, use as guidance. Let's talk about some of the other things at this time of the year that can help you manage your spending. For instance, post-holiday sales. You know, I always say that post-holiday sales are great, especially if you're thinking about, you know, next Christmas or the next holiday season and you can get some deals. It's fantastic. But at the same time, Anne, keep in mind, if you can't afford it, it's never a good deal. Because let's face it, if you can't afford it, you're just going to add to the debt that you already have. And it's best to get rid of debt, which in my opinion is enemy number one with the interest rates that are, are on these types of credit cards. So take a good look at your financial situation. Ask yourself whether these sales are something that are going to help move you forward or put you further behind. May I put you on the spot? Let's say a bill comes in on my credit card for, gosh, maybe $8,000 overspending like crazy trying to be generous Mm -hmm. at Christmas. What would you suggest to me that I do to pay that off right away with without having to deal with the high interest rates of a credit card, but also not get myself further into debt? Well, first of all, if you can get a consolidation loan at a much lower interest rate, that's ideal because, let's face it, that $8,000 debt on a credit card is probably around 19 to 24%. Huge interest. So if you can get a much lower rate on a line of credit or a consolidation loan, that's, that's ideal. Having said that, that can be very, very difficult. So there are other things that you should be looking at. Can you get a part-time job to start really putting some serious money into paying down this debt? Uh, can you sell an asset? You know, perhaps you don't really need to be uh, driving in the city when it's so expensive and you maybe can sell your vehicle. Can you uh, rent out part of your home to help, you know, with that type of an income coming in to pay off the debt? But the reality is, Anne, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be timely to pay off this debt. And it's going to happen overnight and i think people really need to not be so difficult on themselves mm-hmm. if, if it takes time just stay on track stay on goal and make sure you're moving further and further ahead each month and you suggest that there are small things that we can do each and every day for instance making your own coffee at home and taking it to work rather than spending money on a coffee from a, a wonderfully you know warm and fabulous place but it's expensive Exactly. You know, and maybe treat yourself every Friday so you don't feel like you're cutting out something completely. Same with your lunch. If you're used to buying your lunch, it can cost anywhere from 10 to 15 $20 a day uh, for these. And it really does add up. But maybe maybe buy lunch once a week or once every two weeks so you don't feel that you're missing out completely. Uh, same with eating out and going to the movies. There's so many things that we can do, uh, especially this time of year when we're all feeling that, you know, maybe we do need to hang out at home. The weather's not that great. Sitting back and watching Netflix is not a terrible idea in the middle of January anyway. So take advantage of the time of year to do a little bit of nesting and at the same time patting your wallet to pay off debt. Let's also talk about the habit of debt. You know, we're saying, oh, well, it's because we spent so much over the holidays trying to give to others. But there are certain habits and certain uh, trends within our spending and within our lives that need to be examined and need to be changed. Absolutely. Like when we see back in 1990s, for every dollar a Canadian made, they owed about 90 cents. Today, for every dollar a Canadian makes, they owe about a dollar 76. So we know as a nation, we're not doing well with, with the way we're managing debt. We know as a nation, there are many things that, you know, we obviously, you know, incomes have not, got, have not in, increased the way inflation has and all these other things. But at the same time, we are a nation of consumerism. And as such, this 
all we're doing is adding to further and further debt um, and purchasing things we really don't want or need. And, you know, I always ask people, Did you do you really want that? Do you love it a lot? Is it worth that many hours at work to pay that off? And so people should start really thinking about it in that way. Is it really going to move their life forward or is it just something on a whim? And impulse purchases with credit cards are huge. Filing your taxes is important. That's, you know, a few months away and further for those who are self-employed. But how important is it to examine the ever-changing rules to find ways to save money or to save tax? Oh, it's so important. You know, a lot of people don't realize what what they can actually qualify for in their taxes. And some people miss out on huge returns as a result. And so if you're unsure, get the proper advice. Go Go to see an accountant. Uh, look online for what's what's new and different in 2020 because tax rules change all the time, and what's allowable changes all the time. But take advantage of this. This is this is your money. Um, think about it this way: you paid into the system, and if the if, and if there are some tax credits that you can get out of the system, you need to get those. Lori, you've grown up in this business. I know that, and you are now the the top of this business. You're the CEO of Credit Canada. Tell me a story about someone who was able to turn his or her life around and, you know, change his or her fortunes. Well, you know, it, it, this was a while ago and, you know, I don't counsel anymore, but when I was counseling many years ago, I remember this couple coming in and they owed over $100,000 in debt. And back then that was a huge amount of money. And, uh, you know, really they didn't have much option but to go bankrupt. And I remember her saying to me, I, we are not going bankrupt. We're going to do whatever we need to do to pay off this debt, and we will do it. And so they, they rented a basement apartment. They got rid of their car. They walked to work. They made every sacrifice possible. And, you know, three years later, they paid off the full amount of the debt. And then they were able to go on and purchase a business, which has become extremely successful today. So that's a perfect example of how uh, – a couple or even individually, people can change their life dramatically um, by just sticking to the plan, keeping some long-term goal in place whilst giving yourself little goals that will make you feel like you're making progress along the way. Excellent advice, as always. Lori Campbell, CEO, Credit Canada. Thank you for spending time with us. I owe you a debt of gratitude. My pleasure. Thanks, Anne. Thank you, Lori. This is The Feed on 105.9 The Region. I'm Ann Romer. If you missed any part of our show, please go to 1059theregion.com for a replay. You're listening to The Feed, a brand new year, a brand new decade, and some thoughts on brand new initiatives when it comes to getting fit and staying fit. We are speaking with, in my opinion, the queen of fitness in Canada, Mo Hagen. Chief Operating Officer at CanFit Pro. Thanks for joining us, Mo, and Happy New Year. Well, Happy New Year to, to Anne, and it's absolutely my privilege to spend some time with you this afternoon. And our uh, paths have crossed many times in the world of fitness. Uh, you have uh, so much experience. Let's talk to the, someone like me, a regular person who wants to either get fit or stay fit. What's the best attitude as you march into 2020? to get started, to be consistent, and to take it one step at a time. The biggest mistake that people make, especially at this time of year, is they have this desire and energy and some real negative things they bring along from the year past, and they want to get started. They want to go back to what they were doing full force 
They tend to do it too fast. They tend to get too sore or even injured. And then, of course, after a few weeks, they quit. So I know that people will succeed if they start slow, if they go steady and progressive, and most importantly, they're consistent. So there are some tips around being consistent that will guarantee people's success. And give me a couple of those tips, Mo. Number one, commit your goals not only to paper, but to someone that will support you, challenge you, or even do it with you. That's why we always say find a fitness buddy or someone that you have accountability to because you'll show up as much for them as you will for your own goals. So that's the number one is to find someone to, you know, support you in your goals. Number two, people who actually put some money and commitment of time on the line, so they purchase a gym membership, they go buy some class lessons of some sort. Um, when they, especially women, when they pay for something, they'll tend to show up because they don't want to lose their money. So that holds you even more accountable when you've got something, some skin in the game. And then number three, get it into your diary. So put it in your outlook, block it as important as any meeting. So that's your priorities. And you tell those people that actually can um, affect your journal or your outlook to say you have, you cannot change this appointment without my permission. Those are three of the best tips. What about how you view yourself uh, and, and setting realistic goals, but exciting goals as well? Oh, boy, that's a big one. People, you know, they view themselves from an attitude perspective, you know, proactively passionate about wanting to change something about their lifestyle, about their health. I would imagine that most people are thinking of either wanting to lose weight or have more energy and to look better when they stand in front of the mirror. Uh, And they get, that's where they tend to get too overzealous about wanting to do it all right away. But I have to say most people, again, especially at this time of year, even though we see high incidences of, of lack of energy and depression in one way, people actually, from a mindset perspective, are thinking positive about this being a new year for them to get in shape, to feel better, to look better, and to perform better. So this is the time of year that most people want to make a change. And to put it bluntly, Mo, the endorphin release uh, through and after a good workout is the cheapest, safest high that I can imagine. <laughs> well, you and I know this, my friend, for how many decades now? And I say all the time, I said it an hour ago in my fitness class, if everyone knew how good they'd feel, not only after the workout, but for hours after the workout is over, more people would be doing some form of exercise or fitness every single day of their life, like you and I do. And I like to think it's Mother Nature's fountain of youth as well. It, it helps to keep our inner selves young, and hopefully the outer selves can kind of keep up with that. <laughs> well, there's now, there is now proof right at the genetic level we can actually reset gene expression. The research tells us it's so. And you can influence genetic expression. So you, what, how your body behaved in its youth, younger days, you can actually return gene expression or otherwise known as behavior to that of a more youthful state. And fitness is one of the best ways to do that along with healthy eating, sleeping, or what we actually talk about in our trends at Camp at Crow is the number one trend is taking care of your body in a recovery 
way, getting enough sleep and recovery so that your body has time to rejuvenate, to rejuvenate right at the genetic level so your cells can actually behave younger than your chronological age. How great is that? And you know me, I like to keep things very simple. So lots and lots of water, rest, try not to stress out, get out of the sun, don't smoke. You know, those are things that you have control over. Let's talk about fitness trends for 2020. Are we moving back inside? Are we uh, more attached to machines than ever? Are we looking at finding ways of being fit just by walking from one end of the room to the other? The answer to that, especially to your last point, I'll be looking for every and each way to do this. The trends are showing more diversity and flexibility and wider experiences in how people experience fitness more so today than ever before. You know, you think back to when you and I started in the fitness industry, it was with aerobic classes and it was all high intensity, highly choreographed, and we loved that. And that's what kept people coming Today, you can find fitness experiences as broad as outdoors, walking in the park, going on adventure holidays. You can find it as, as traditional as being in a gym, working with equipment. We're seeing more choices in equipment today, again, than before. And the trends are showing us, uh, at Campit Pro, our top trends are showing us more ways to be fit, working with as little as your body weight. And then it's how you train your body, doing different types of exercises and the way you put exercise together in a very methodical or program design way that gives you the maximum results. But you need little equipment today, although equipment does offer the diversity, the experiences that the new, what they call generation active is looking for. And that generation is the millennials and the Gen Zs. So they now make up 80% of our gym goers and they want experiences inside a fitness club, outside a fitness club, in their home, on their smartphone device while they're outdoors at the office, you know, between their trips to wherever. So it's everything and anything that can define you moving your body and sweating and, you know, feeling good and getting results what defines fitness today. Can I tell you a little secret? There is a people mover, yes. and it's on an incline going from one floor to another in a major department store. And no steps. It's just a flat ramp, and it moves. And I try to visit at least once a week, and I go up, walk up with it, but kind of against the, the grain, if you will, and I get the best workout. I do it three or four times, much to the chagrin of those who work at the store. But I have found this little area oasis of fitness in a department store, and I love it. That is so great. And I have a stairway outside that is really close to where I work, and I always challenge myself every time I go to do one more flight. And again, people look at me and think, well, she's crazy, but then I see more people doing stair climbing, walking the escalators, jogging the escalators, then just standing there, which yeah. is great to see, although I sadly would say, and you and I are, you know, the, the A performers, because the majority of the population still do not do enough to reach the minimum health benefit of physical activity a week, which is 150 minutes of movement. So I encourage people to join Anne in that department store <laughs> and follow what you do because we can change more Canadian lives for the positive if more people actually adopted just some of these 
fun experiences that really don't require too much thinking or expense. You just got to commit to getting out there, right? Beautifully put, Mo Hagen, Chief Operating Officer at CanFitPro. Thank you, and have a fit and fabulous year. And to you too, and to all your listeners. You're listening to The Feed on 105.9 The Region, where we share stories, issues, and events from right across York Region, including the launch of Alzheimer's Awareness Month. Jim Lang is next with programs and services to help those living with the disease and also their caregivers. We're back in the feed, and it's January. It's a new month, a new year, 2020, and it's also an important month for people in the region and across this country. This is Alzheimer's Awareness Month. I'm thrilled to be joined by the CEO of someone who does great work in the community in the region and has helped our family, the Alzheimer's Society of York Region, Lauren Freed. Lauren, how are you? I'm great, Jim. Thank you. Oh, thank you on uh, behalf of my family. My wife's um, mother has Alzheimer's, and you guys have helped her when she's had questions and needed support. And I, I don't know how our family could ever say thank you enough, but I know what you guys do for families in New York region, and it's pretty incredible. Well, thank you, Jim. Um, it's the families who are incredible uh, and, uh, and the caregivers who care for their family members living with uh, uh, Alzheimer's and other forms of dementia. Um, the Alzheimer's Society has been a leader in providing care to families coping with Alzheimer's disease and other dementias for the past 30 years, and we do this through a variety of essential services that provide support through the various phases of dementia, as well as the various phases of the caregiver journey, such as I'm sure what your family has been coping yeah. with. I mean, I think about we're in 2020, we have so much sophistication with medical technology. We can do remote surgeries and, and robotics, but where are we at as a country in a healthcare system in the region, in the country, Lauren, when it comes to Alzheimer's to dementia in this year? Yes. Yeah, so if we keep it local. Yes. Yeah. So, um, uh, so um, we know that there are approximately 15,000 people in York region living with some form of dementia. It's a big number. And that number is set to double uh, inside of 20 years. Um, now, um, this is an indication that um, we're becoming an older country. Uh, there are more people over the age of 65 now in Canada than under the age of 15. And while people generally age well, and dementia is not a normal part of the aging process, age is the most significant factor when it comes to dementia. We have some amazing, excuse me, hospitals in York Region, amazing medical workers. Uh, do we have the resources in York Region to handle increase from fifteen to 30,000 in 20 years? We don't have the resources to handle 15,000 right now. Uh, we... Um, um, we could always use more resources. Uh, recent polls indicate that uh, dementia is very much top of mind for Canadians. It's, uh, it's one of the most feared uh, uh, diseases and one of the most misunderstood. 
And so what do we try to do is we try to address some of the stigma that's attached to dementia and, uh, and some of the prevention that uh, people have uh, about it because the more we can be open, the more that we can publicly discuss it, uh, uh, the better that people will feel about addressing it sooner uh, in the process rather than waiting for a crisis to occur. People talk about our health as a byproduct of our environment, our, our life habits, our diet, et cetera, et cetera. Is anything changing in Canadian culture in York Region, the way we live, that's affecting the rates of Alzheimer's? Uh, that's a great question. What we tell people um, uh, is that uh, uh, there is a connection between lifestyle and wellness. Uh, and uh, it's certainly better than not to eat well, to sleep well, uh, to remain social uh, in your activities and daily life. All of these things become very helpful preventative measures uh, for all kinds of um, uh, diseases as well as Alzheimer's and dementia. I think of families in the region. There are some really wonderful caring families of all backgrounds and in in different cultural backgrounds and they're thinking i have an elderly relative and i'm going to do our best to care for them we don't want to put them in a home which is so commendable but my goodness the strain and stress on those families caring for a loved one with alzheimer must be staggering it's staggering um and that is often combined with a misunderstanding of what the person living with dementia is actually going through um uh, and uh, it just makes it an even greater challenge. Uh, caring for a person with dementia requires more time and attention than it does for just about anybody else. Uh, and so it's important to seek out support where you can, um, not only from friends and other family members, but also from organizations like the Alzheimer's Society of York Region. We can provide caregivers with... Uh, uh, navigation services to help them through the healthcare sector, um, uh, to provide additional educational supports to them, uh, and to provide some care planning for them. So we ask people to please reach out to us, um, uh, and we will, we will do everything we can to help people along this journey. Because there are things that are going to crop up in your life if you're caring for a loved one with Alzheimer's that you never would have imagined unless you talk to experienced professionals like the people of the Alzheimer's Society York Region. Absolutely. Uh, you may not understand why somebody's behaviors uh, change to the degree that they do. Um, and, uh, and is that the person or is that something else? Uh, and you may not understand the impact that Alzheimer's and dementia has on the on on a person's overall ability to live independently. Um, so it's important to reach out. I, and I know there's hard to find any humor in it, but my mother-in-law's filter as the disease progressed went, and she would say things, and my wife looked at me going, she would never say that. Like she was a very proper Dutch immigrant, you know, but things would come out of her mouth. They're like, well, who's that person? Yeah, and that's not unusual. Absolutely. Changes in behaviors. I mean, people sort of lose that, um, what do you call it, that social uh, the grace. Little, yes, yeah, uh, the etiquette. The etiquette. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, the etiquette. And uh, they, they don't have the filter. 
they often don't have the filter and uh, and don't realize that what they're saying uh, uh, can be misleading or uh, <laughs> or insulting uh, and that's one of the elements that you check for when it comes to somebody's behaviors Speaking with Lauren Freed, the CEO of the Alzheimer's Society of York Region, this is Alzheimer's Awareness Month in the region, in the country. And um, Lauren had alluded to it, that the stress and the difficulty of the caregiver. And there's an event coming up January 29th at the Aurora Day Center on Edward Street, caring for the caregiver. And I think this is such an overdue event. I'm, I applaud you guys for putting this together. Yeah, thanks, Jim. So what this is, um, we, we realize that the caregiver as, is as much a client or a patient as the person living with the disease. And you have to be asking questions about the health of the caregiver to the same extent that you do with the person living with the disease. Uh, and so it's important to care for the caregiver. And so what this session does, it, it invites the caregiver and also friends and family members of the caregiver to come out to an evening at the Alzheimer's Society of York Region's Aurora Day Program um, and hear speakers and gather information about what it means to be a caregiver, um, the trials and tribulations of being a caregiver, and, and how we could all work collectively uh, to support the caregiver in this very challenging situation. The event's happening January 29th, 7 to 8.30 p.m., the Aurora Day Center at 240 Edward Street in Aurora. It is totally free to take part in. You can call Vicki at 905-726-3477 to reserve your spot. And as Lauren alluded to, and he mentioned, there are more families that are trying to care for a loved one with dementia or Alzheimer's in York Region than ever before. And there are probably people that could use this sort of event, use this evening to their benefit. Oh, absolutely. And not just the evening, but you don't have to wait for the evening to find out more information. Yeah, correct. Uh, you're, you're absolutely right, Jim. Feel free to contact us. Um, you could you could contact us at the number that Jim you've mentioned, but you could also learn more about the Alzheimer's Society of York Region and dementia by just going uh, to our website uh, www.alzheimer-york.com. And you guys have a very good social media on Twitter that you ha you post a lot of helpful tips and facts. It's almost like a, a, a education, not hitting someone over the head with a hammer, but just sort of gentle educational reminders about the realities of the disease. I find them very helpful. Well, that's great to hear. Um, that, that's exactly what we want to hear. Uh, and we're happy to hear both platitudes and uh, and and uh, and constructive criticism about our messaging. So please feel free to do that as well. Um, and uh, if you care to uh, to to demonstrate some some support, uh, you can do that as well through our website. Okay, give the website once again, Lauren. Yeah, uh, www.alzheimer-york.com. Lauren, uh, absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for this. Oh, thank you, Jim. This was a pleasure for me, too. Well, that's our show for this week. If you missed any part of the feed or have a story idea or a community event to share, please head to our website, 1059theregion.com. I'm Ann Romer, and thank you for listening.